Hello. Thank you so much for checking out the Nosara podcast. My name is Rich Burnham, and today's guest is Stefan from Blue Spirit and the Omega Institute. I'm excited to have Stefan on and get to know him a little bit better, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to check out this or any other episodes with video, feel free to check out richburnham.com or go to my YouTube channel, Rich Burnham. We are on Facebook and Instagram, so hit us up there if you have any requests or thoughts or ideas. In the meantime, enjoy this episode with Stefan. Mr. Stefan, thanks for coming in today. I'm glad to have you here. I'm really happy to be here. So you have some exciting things coming up at Blue Spirit, but before we get right into that, could you give us just like a quick background on you? Um, and then we'll talk about the specific events that are upcoming up at Blue Spirit. At Blue Spirit. So I'm, I'm a physician. I started way back over 40 years ago, Omega Institute in um, Rhinebeck, New York. And every summer we ran programs in the Caribbean, and I loved it. And then I finally found maybe 25 years ago Costa Rica and really fell in love with it and decided I wanted to create a place where people could come and have the reflection of inner and outer nature. And there's no better place than Costa Rica, and we really tried to create a place where people feel deeply embedded in nature so that they can go deeper within themselves. So Blue Spirit's been operating with success for a good while now. Well, I first came down here then, but we've been operating now for 11 years. Okay, and you've I've noticed that over the past decade or so, you've had very special events and all kinds of interesting people um, coming down, but you're about to launch something new and fresh, uh, and that, that's something we're about to talk about right now. So what, what's well, going on well, there? Well, I'm trying to take it to another level now. We've been doing these types of programs uh, these Omega Blue Spirit programs specifically, though we have many others and people have come to concerts with Deva Pramal and Miten and Krishna Das and Jayutal. But now I want to start to really being a part of the local community here in Coast and also really caring about what's going on in the climate change and the environment of Costa Rica. My real focus is how can we start to, in our local community, invite people in so that we can bring some of the wisdom keepers from around the world who have been coming to our place. So they've been coming for a while, but generally we try and keep the program focused on those who are there. Now we want to start to have events where people have access more to these really amazing people who are recognized as world-class experts in so many different fields. So it's exciting for me to try and bring that into the community. Wow. So I'll try to recap that a little bit. So you're kind of hitting this at a, at a high level, broad, and at the same time, you're also trying to get into the local community right here. And the way you want to get into the local community right here is by bringing in these amazing people that everyone can learn from and we can practice I guess some of the things that you learn during the retreats and learn from these high-level people to impact people sitting right here. Living exactly. Well, we have, everybody sees it. We have a very growing community here in, uh, in Nosara, Guiones area. And we're all concerned about how we've come here because Costa Rica is such a special land, such special people. And how do we contribute to that in a way that really... Um, that, that for me really uh, can be something that's very positive. It's not just that we're here for development or here for a good life. It's what I often consider the difference between the focus on the me versus the we. 
And it's very easy. And that's one of the reasons, quite honestly, why I was very happy to leave the United States to mo mostly live, to live here, because there's more of a sense of the we. And I want to be a contributor to the we. And the we doesn't include just we as people, but we as the environment, we as all the animals that share this space with us as well. And I don't want to see from the monkeys that get disturbed or the trees that get cut down. We're trying to support that and bring those speakers here who really understand that the way future for humanity, the way future for the for a good life on the planet is when we embrace each other. So that's really what it is. It's really the inner. And to me, a lot of that has to do with inner, whether one calls it spiritual practice or awakened awareness practice, to recognize that we are more than I. Mm. So walk us through some of the upcoming events, kind of what's going on. Well, I'm most excited, and we're, <clears throat> and we're opening this up for the community at large, is on January 9th, we're going to have uh, Joan Halifax and, and Christiana Figueres. Now, they'll be here teaching for the entire week. So there is a way that people in the local community could come and be part of our week programs. We're offering a really special discount for that. They can get in touch with us at Blue Spirit for it. But where people can just be commuters to the event, which we don't usually do. But we have many teachers that week. But Joan Halifax is a world-renowned uh, Zen Buddhist, but she is way beyond that. She's a true citizen of the world. I've been with her on these medical nomad clinics up into the Himalayas, which she does every year. Uh, National Geographic even called her uh, uh, the uh, traveler of the year once because she just really is someone who goes out on the edge and leaves, is willing to... I, I think she was the first woman Zen teacher to do the yearly address at this renowned Zen center in uh, Japan that has had it been there for 500 years. Each year they invite somebody to do the address. She was the first woman in 500 years. So she's out on the edge. Yeah. And, and I love, yeah. So Joan comes every year and Roshi Joan. And so, but the other person who I've had the great good fortune to meet and is really a treasure of Costa Rica is Christiana Figueres. Now, Christiana Figueres, for those who don't know her, but should, we do know the impact of her father's work. He was the president of Costa Rica who more than 70 years ago abolished the army. And that clearly is one of the things that has really differentiated Costa Rica from so many other places, because it was at a time when there was civil strife throughout the Central America and South America. And by what he did, money went to healthcare, to education, and I think it changes the whole demeanor of what Costa Rica is. What I find that I love here, and I think we all find that, is basically people are in good mood. And one of the things I noticed coming from the States, doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, there's not much good mood. And so I like to be in a place where people genuinely have good mood. That's what we try and create at Blue Spirit. And we feel our staff is who creates it because they're in good mood and everybody else just falls into good mood with each other. So this to me is really important. So Christiana Figueres is the daughter and she, when the multinationals moved in and they 
cut down the trees for cattle, for palm oil, for bananas and all of that. Forest coverage in Costa Rica went from 70 to 20 percent. She was one of the major people to help get it back over 50 percent. But her focus is not just here in Costa Rica. She's the chief architect of the Paris Climate Accord. So she's a, now become, from Costa Rica, a world-renowned figure. The um, <clears throat> publisher of her book, Doug Abrams, from Idea Architects, also did the book, uh, The Book of Joy with Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. He'll be here teaching when she is. And um, he's publishing her book called Global Optimism. And I really deeply resonate with this book because... And she said something that's still reverberating in me. She said, <clears throat> global optimism is taking, is taking a courageous stand. And I, it's very easy in, in the way things are in the world now to not be optimistic. But when you see it as an act of courage, that to me is inspiring. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Because you said global optimism. The word seems simple enough. And then you said it's also an act of courage. And climate change... And also in our little area, a lot of people who have magnificent intentions don't see any of this in an optimistic manner. It's everything's ending. The beauty's gone type of it's, it's more of like a doom and gloom type of way to motivate. So please explain to me the optimism so, side. In other words, we're only going to get through this if we act courageously is what she's saying. Are we going to get through it? I don't know. But unless those of us who want to see a positive outcome, what changes things is when people step up and do what's necessary. So when I see one of the things we're doing at Blue Spirit this year is when everybody leaves, we have a $10 green tax, which Blue Spirit is going to match. And that goes to buy land up in northern Costa Rica where the uh, Dry Guanacaste Fund has preserved already over 400,000 acres of land and taken cattle country and moved it back into moving toward primary forest. Now, Costa Rica is the epicenter of this. Costa Rica has 0.01% of the land mass of the world. But Costa Rica has 0.01, one ten thousandth of the, of the land mass. But Costa Rica has 4% of the biodiversity. And in that one area in northern Guanacaste, where the waters of, the, of Guanacaste come from, up in the mountains where the volcanoes are, there's 2.3% of that biodiversity now being protected. So the question is, what can we do? We can help protect more of it. What can we do? We can really make sure that the habitat of the monkeys is preserved. We can make sure that when we do things, we don't waste the water that's happening here. And Costa Rica's at the vanguard. It's, it's electricity has been, been either solar, water, or wind now for so many years. And there are certain countries in the world that are small countries, Bhutan, the Scandinavian countries, that are really showing there is a way to do this. And so with all the pessimism, we can either sort of, I'll go have another drink and forget about it. Or you can go, hey, there are people doing inspiring work. So, so that's why I suggest to people, we're going to make this event open for people here. We're going to ask people to make contributions to help buy more land and do more things for climate change. But that'll be up to them. But to have two inspiring people, Christiana Figueres, in terms of her work 
on, on ecology and the environment. And Joan Halifax, Roshi, whose inner work is about resilience and seeing truth, that to me is the combination of those two. I'm, I'm, as you can hear, I'm pretty excited about having that. It's, it's to me, a, this is a world-class event happening yeah, in Osara. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say, it sounds like you have some world-class individuals coming to tiny little Nosara and what you're trying to do is open the doors further so that locals participate in addition to your standard. Sure. We have this year for the Omega Blue Spirit programs, we have John Perkins, who's, who's on the one hand spent years in the jungles uh, in, in Peru, in Ecuador, and so on, and has done so much work there with, uh, uh, what's the name of his organization, the Pachamama Alliance Organization, which has been one of the foremost organizations, and he's here with Lynn Twist, who's the co-director of it, They're, they have given the indigenous people of those countries legal rights to their lands. They never had legal rights to their lands because it was just their lands. And then governments come down and oil companies come down. But they've developed a way, instead of where these tribes would fight each other, now they've come together to fight a bigger issue, which is oil companies and so on trying to rape the Amazon. So it's ongoing work. But you see something like that, it's inspiring. John, you know, his book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, just really reveals how that is. So... We have John Perkins. We have Gabor Mate, who's done incredible inner work. Uh, Saki Santarelli, who was so involved in the um, mindfulness work and was sort of co-did that teaching with John Kabat-Zinn, and who's become world famous in that work now and has been here as well to teach. We have uh, Esther Perel, whose work on relationships, her books are quite... So we have a variety of amazing teachers. Anybody can just either check the uh, Omega website or they can get in touch with us. And as I said, we, we're working out special rates for people to come and participate in the longer programs. In the second week, I've started our longevity center. And being a physician, I actually focus that longevity is not... If it was just about I living longer, I'm uninterested in it. Just for somebody to live longer, we already have too many people on the planet. But what I've come to understand is that the same thing that allows people to lead, it's not about living longer as much as it's living at a high level of well-being. And if you want to live at a high level of well-being, what you start to recognize is that the lessons are out in the environment and plant world for us. Interesting. So that you, you made, made a lot of points there, but I want to... I'll go back to a quote you just said, as far as having a high level of well-being. If you think about it, people are living much longer, but a lot of times they're just being medically sustained and the existence actually isn't all that dynamic. Yeah, it's really interesting. The degree of chronic disease now is over 50% of the population. And pharmaceutical companies love that because it's an ongoing customer as long as they survive. Um, the real thing is that when you look at what sustains health, we're looking sort of higher upstream. That I, we have in our longevity center now, I have Dr. Adriana Galliano, who's from Costa Rica, working with me. And we have all of these machines and treatments that are about how do you utilize oxygen the best? 
And when I say that, what changed when we went from single cell to multicellular creature, we went from just burning sugar to burning oxygen, which is a much higher efficiency. And with that came much greater intelligence. So if you change your diet, if you do occasional fasting, when a species survives, it always goes through famine. At a time of famine, what's really fascinating is it turns off the aging mechanism. Now, we can verify that in terms of all the biological testing done and so on. So a lot of the program, I've, people overeat. Why do they have chronic diseases? People are overeating like crazy. They're eating a lot of crap. They're eating too much sugar. Da, da, da. So we can go on and on. So we have a lot of testing mechanisms for that. We have a lot of treatment. In that. And so for me, I mean, I'm talking here in the in the morning. I haven't eaten this morning. I don't eat till lunch. What, so what's the normal pattern that you for follow? For me, I, I, I eat lunch and dinner. And then so I try and do a 16 to 18 hour fast every day. Uh, I if you want to have some alcohol, do it at lunch. Don't do it at night where the sugar keeps going. So basically Don't everyone has things backwards. It's in some ways, the, the other thing that's backwards, the other thing that's backwards, because you, you look around at diet and everybody around the world has a different diet. And you would think finally, if we knew that there was one diet that worked, we would have gotten that straight already, Right. What I think people don't realize is that if by age 30, you grow to be six foot tall, by age 60, you're not 12 foot tall. So there are two phases here of life. There's the phase of growth where we need certain things. And then it's like an airplane taking off. At that point, you need to find cruise altitude and you don't spend as much energy and you don't need as much fuel. But most people, after they've fully grown, they keep eating as though they're still growing. And unfortunately, what happens, they do grow, but they grow tumors, they grow inflammation, they grow all of these things that don't really necess aren't necessary. And the obesity rates are going way, way up. So high-level exercise, changing one's diet. In America, the debate about whether it's Obamacare or whether it's Medicare for all, it doesn't really matter until people start taking care of their health. We can't afford to take care of the disease. So really, this used to be called the blue zone where people live longer. When I go into the local bodegas, I don't think that's happening anymore because we're eating crap. And unless we start to change that. So a lot of our focus at Blue Spirit is teaching people how they can live healthier. And then when you're living healthier, that's the whole game. So, wow, yeah, all really good information. <laughs> so I'm going to start asking you uh, some questions, and I'd, I'd like <laughs> to <want. laughs> I'd like to jump back into jump back into time and learn about how you got to Costa Rica and why you chose Nosara specifically. Well, it's interesting that when I came first to Costa Rica. I had been going all around the Caribbean looking for places, other countries, and I don't know what it was, but I came here, I met some people here. I actually used to have a, I built a home down um, in the Santa Teresa area at first, uh, but originally I figured I needed to be within a certain, to attract people, I needed to be in a certain distance of an airport, because the idea for the people would come for a week beyond and have to travel right. on 
overland five hours wasn't going to cut it. So I kept looking around, and then when I saw that uh, that they were going to be the airport was expanding, and then the bridge was going to come over, uh, I started coming up here. Uh, my good friends were Don Stapleton and, and Amba, who were doing Nosara. They out had to Don, they, Don and yeah, Don Amba, great people, and I knew them because I was doing Omega. They were doing Kripalu, or Don was, and so he and I knew each other. So I'd come up and visit. And what I noticed is that because of the American project, the beach used to be the road here way back. And so the real road, once the beach is no longer the road, is about half a mile from the beach in most places. Whereas when I was down in Santa Teresa, the road is 200 meters from the beach. So everything is there. It's congested. There's no... I also looked at Tamarindo before it's Tamarindo now, and I'm so grateful I'm not in Tamarindo. But back in Tamarindo, but you look at the development there, and it's one road in, and you got to use that same road to That's get right. out. So it's a, it's a mess. Now we have capacity. So I looked at Nosan. I thought, this place has capacity for development because there are these multiple roads that lead off the main road that go down to the beach where stores can develop, restaurants. Because I didn't want to live in the middle of the forest, though I like to preserve land. I wanted to have community. So Nosara really is a place that has the potential for community. But we need to be very careful here in Nosara that we don't let it become what's happened to, uh, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the place in, that I used to go to in uh, Mexico uh, along the coast. It was just great. Now you don't want to go there. And so some of these places, so what happens, we're in the midst of attracting a lot of people. And it's wonderful as long as we preserve as much as we're attracted. Now, there's a pretty strong culture here of environmentalism and concern and care compared to most places in the world. What do you attribute that to? Well, I think that, that we were fortunate to be in a country that, it, first of all, is concerned about its environment. And clearly, I mean, how many countries prevent the hunting of wildlife? So there's clearly here in Costa Rica, and one of the things I've always loved is when I've gone with a Costa Rican farmer out into the land, they'll always point out trees and talk about the trees. And I, and I could feel there, there's a real love of the trees. There's a real love of the land. It's people who, Costa Rica is the only country in, uh, you know, in this area of South America where the, you know, the United States has an immigration issue. Well, Costa Rica has a reverse immigration. There are actually less Costa Ricans living there than Americans living here. And it's the only country like that. So clearly it's developed a sensibility in its balance of environment and life. And I think that's quite unique. And, the, and people here in Costa Rica, again, I think it has to do with not having an army. People feel undefended. And part of that is you feel that there's a real love of their country. And I'm really... I love that. I, I, I grew up in the United States. Do I love the United States? When I look at what's happening, I can't say I do. When I look at what's happening here in Costa Rica and I hear the way people feel about their country. When Costa Rica got into the, uh, 
the that the round of the World Cup and the way everybody was celebrating. Was I, I, mean, I felt really part of that. I felt really like, oh, I was so happy to see a little country like this with so much pride. And it has that pride for a reason because it's doing something really good. And if I'm going to be here as somebody who's benefiting from that, I want to do really good by the country as well. And what concerns me is that when people come here, they don't come here just, oh, for me, this is a great place. I'm going to, it's all about me. It's all about how do we take care of this country that's let us come and be part of it. That all makes sense. It seems, my, my opinion is a lot of the reasons Nosara has a populace a little bit more dedicated to nature than others is because of the yoga culture, um, places like the Nosar Yoga Institute that started, then later on Blue Spirit, which is drinking yeah. now. And even even if you look at the hotels that are going on, Bodhi Tree, which came up, uh, was more carefully done than it had to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then if you think of the Johnsons and Harmony, and then no, yeah, I, that I was think nice this, to see. I think it's a great point. I think John and Susan really are have a vision and they have a capacity to help to create that vision. So there are a lot of people here Great. that I certainly, and I think it's really important that <clears throat> all of these various people who have been here for a while and those coming in now who share this vision start to collectively work together. That's and that's what that. I see. Yeah. yeah, that's when you say that because as, as we think through the hotels, like we just talked about Bodhi and Harbor Reef and or the old Harbor Reef and the Harmony if you think Gilded, they did a good job as yep. far as very good. Uh, they've, they've taken a lot of heat, but they actually did. If people stop to go look behind the, the covers or under the covers, rather, they did a really good job. And then even La Garda Lodge has a tree growing in, in the middle of the restaurant. So <laughs> I guess if you think about it from that level, what place has that amount of dedication to nature? So yep. what would you say to someone who comes to Nosara? This is great. But now these hotels are coming in and the development's happening. Uh, how do we stop this? Like, what, what's your take on that whole situation? Well, I, I, I think that we need to be very careful. What, what happens is some level of conscious planning needs to take place. So it's what can happen in the realm of finances is that it starts a kind of growth that becomes infectious. And people are just from flipping things and out for the money and so on. So one has to be careful about the financial addiction and the growth addiction. And that's why I say it's aligned with why I'm doing this longevity center, because there's a phase of growth, but then there's a phase of rest and repair. It's like breathing in and then relaxing and breathing out. The heart is working all the time. It beats 60 times a minute, but actually it's only working a tenth of a second, and it's relaxing and restoring for nine-tenths of a second. So we're at a phase, I believe, right now in Nosara where we have to make sure that in the growth phase that's happening right now, it doesn't get out of control and become growth upon growth. So it's not that, okay, we're here, we don't want to see anybody else. I just want to see that the growth, because I don't, I, I want to see this to be an evolving conscious community, which I think it can be and is. And I would actually the, argue that that is, <laughs> that is happening. Um, I don't know of any other places that are doing much of a better job than we are as far as having green areas interrupt the community. 
there's no room for wide scale development. And there's, we don't have any room for a big, massive hotel or development to come in anyway, quite frankly. Well, there are places. Well, in the outer <laughs> areas, but not in yeah. the core Guiones Palata. Yes, but all of that then creates the, the larger footprint of what happens. And so, you know, we know, like, for instance, at Blue Spirit, <clears throat> I'm quite limited, not because I can't, but because we don't want to increase it beyond where we are. And I've had people come to me already and say, hey, do you want to do another Blue Spirit somewhere? Do you want to? I'm really happy with what we've done. And we're just trying to basically round, but basically our footprint is what it is. And we're mostly focused on making sure that, that we have enough green space around us and what we've done, not, ch not chopping it up into smaller and smaller. So in the community, you guys have a little bit bigger size properties than say the normal neighborhood. Yeah. You say. Yeah. And, and, and actually we, we did it in such a way where uh, it was most of the properties in the community are, 5,000 meters, but we have many people who in their commitment to it have, have ended up with two or three of those properties yet with only one house on it. So we're really trying now. I understand that's economically not available for everybody, <clears throat> but we also have some, some small spaces. But I'm, I'm much less interested at this point because everything works. I'm much less interested in the selling and the building and much, much more interested in finding ways where people have an opportunity here to really uh, always feel that they're connected to nature, always feel that this is, that Nosara is a place where there's an inner exploration happening as well as the outer. So we have a combination here where people love to surf, people love to do yoga. You know, I'm one of the uh, people who likes to play a lot of tennis. And so it's a real outdoor area. And I think we want it to also be an inner place where people are recognizing their place not only here, but how do we project that out into the world around us? How do we not only take care of here, but how do we take care of what's happening in the rest of Costa Rica, what's happening in the northern areas, what's happening in the central areas? Because we're part of that. We're part of the body of Costa Rica. We're not just a little enclave of Nosara that just wants to take care of itself. I'm noticing a theme uh, when you're talking uh, and describing some of the patterns you use for Blue Spirit and also from the early people who came in here and the early expats who were going to buy in the golf course community that the Playa de Nosar was supposed to be. A lot of those individuals bought extra property to protect it. And those individuals fought arduously to keep the green areas that we currently enjoy today, which I argue is literally the backbone of why we have the nature-oriented vibe. That's right. So it's interesting to hear you describe how your community evolved very similar, 20, 30 years later, you had people come and buy extra stuff to kind of make it grow. So uh, uh, continuing with that theme, it seems to me that as long as planes are flying and waves are breaking and yoga is happening, uh, people are going to continue to come here. It seems like one of, if not the biggest solution is bringing in the right people. And if you bring in the right people, they might be, behave a little more responsibly and considerate. And it seems to me with your seminars and what you're doing at Blue Spirit and how you're trying to hit things from the greater good as a whole, all the way, but you start with the individual, it seems like it's kind of mirroring a lot of the theme in Osara is good people come in, do great things. And our future is kind of contingent upon that. Yes. If, if the money becomes the primary motivator, it would be easy to blow this place out. 
if money is not the primary motivator and people who are thoughtful and considerate come in, our future might be okay. Yeah. You see, the, the interesting thing about that for me is when I look at what's going on, not only in the United States, but in other uh, industrialized countries, money has become an addiction. Like sugar is an addiction, like the drugs are addictions. So money has become an addiction, and you see people who have billions of dollars, and I see this in the news all the time from here, billions of dollars, but they don't really seem very happy. They don't seem very content. Tell us why, why that's the case. Why that's the case? Because there's a feeling that if I have more, we've bought into, if I have more, sooner or later I'm going to be really happy. It's going to buy me my happiness if I have power, then I'm going to be happy. But you, see, but that's not where deep contentment comes from. Deep contentment is an inner process. There's no, because you can, I've in Tibetan uh, Buddhist practice that I've done, one sees some of the terrible things that have happened to people who are just simply practicing, the, doing their inner practice, and the degree to which the country has been you know ransacked by the chinese and yet when you talk to people who have who tibetan buddhists who have inner practice there's no hatred to the chinese and you feel inside their being and they're really quite content i mean one thing when you hear the dalai lama speak as an example he's always about be kind be nice and he seems in good mood despite the fact that <laughs> All these people were killed and tortured and so on. So, so what was the name of that book that you told me about earlier? Which one did I tell you about earlier? Optimism. <clears throat> oh, Global Optimism. So Global that, Optimism. Well, you just described it. I know you weren't attempting that's right. to, yeah. but that's another example. Exactly. They are steering. They have a big person who could crush them any second, and you're saying they're not angry, but, but they're still doing – they're going about their lives as best that they can, and they're still trying to improve their situation – but they're not doing it in a negative manner. That's correct. Okay, that's the theme I was trying to hit at earlier yeah. when we were talking about here in Nosara. And that's why when you told me about that book and the title, I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's what we also need here because we're in the middle of a time period where we have, well, Nikoi is telling us we had 42% growth over a very short period of time. So it's like, well, we need to do these temporary building regulations, which I'm sure you know all yes. about. And then we also need a plan regulatory. So that plan's kicking in. But along the way, a lot of people are fighting on each side exactly. of the whole thing. And it's turned into quite something. So I spent a lot of time in this podcast talking with people about it. Now, when you came and told me that book title, that was that was a moment for me. It was like, oh, great. <laughs> we need to give everybody, if nothing else, just that title. It's like, hey, let's work together to make this thing work. That's right. We, we can't, we see the effects of unbridled growth and growth becomes that addiction. And that's why I'm, I use the difference in terms of well-being. When people continue to grow beyond the point or in a situation in an area where it continues to grow beyond, you start to de see decay and disease. And that's what's happened in all of the great cities around the world, the giant cities that are no longer, oh, isn't this beautiful? No, who wants to go there? It's just gotten crazy. It's just infested in a certain way with a kind of money addiction, a kind of, you know, buy me, buy me, buy me. When I, If I go to New York, and I grew up in New York City, I walk down the streets, and it's as though every store is looking at me saying, buy me, buy me, buy me. And I start to feel that. Whereas here, when I'm in Nosara, I can go for a long time, and other than buying food, 
what is what is it that I want to be buying? I'm I'm pretty. I got enough clothes, which is shirt and a and, and pair of shorts, and all's good. So, when you are content, when things are just okay, there's not that same kind of I've got to have more. So the more this need for more is what's destroying our planet. And so we have to be careful here because we're seeing that kind of growth that you're talking about. So we have to be careful that the growth is balanced with rest. Just like the fields used to be plowed where for, for a year it would just be left fallow. We don't leave anything fallow in society anymore. We just keep pushing and pushing. Every quarter the corporate has to grow the next level. That doesn't make sense, and it, it's ruining us. The way the system works right now, there's no stop because contentment, there's in, in, in the biochemistry of it, there's what's called in the brain dopamine and serotonin. And so dopamine makes you happy. Serotonin makes you content. What's happening right now is the marketing world loves dopamine because the problem with being happy is you get happy and then it fades. So you need that addiction thing to get you happy again. That's why people love sugar. Sugar, two, three hundred years ago, wasn't really in foods. You can't buy anything in a store now where sugar isn't dumped into it. The amount of sugar used to be so little in people's diet and it's now such a part of it. And, and the reason is because sugar produces a dopamine effect you feel happy, and then it wears off, I better have it again, and that's the addiction cycle. So money does the same thing. Interesting. Sex so does the same. So we have right. a lot of that, and the contentment that you get from the serotonin is an inner contentment. Yeah, you don't have anywhere to go when you're content. That's the thing. You don't need anything else. You're just good. For me, when I visited Costa Rica, the level of contentment here was off the charts, and I had never experienced anything like that. So, and I think we have to protect that. I think that's that's, I think that's my concern. That is the question right? Yeah. And a lot of people have different opinions. What I hope we, at least I'm going to talk about Nosara specifically. I hope in Nosara that people can communicate because if communication is flowing, we can get somewhere. If pe it's when people lock up, and in the small town, I've noticed a lot of people lock up because you have a lot of walls in between. Sure. Yeah. You know, the, the various people in, in the corridors, per se. If we can communicate, we can be okay. And again, that's part of where the inspiration for the podcast came from, is I'm really tired of social media. Because what happens is someone can just type something on social media. Well, let's say that's a popular person. What they said might not even matter. People just yeah. like it because they want to associate with that particular person. Or people can type some sort of angst. And a lot of times it's, it's from a bitter, negative type tone. And that doesn't really motivate the other side that you're going against to talk bad against them and talk bad about them publicly. It, it would have been a lot more productive to sit down and have a dialogue and say, here's where I'm coming from. Here's where you're coming from. Okay, we disagree. Let's find out what we can agree, agree on. Let's find out what we don't, that we're never going to agree on. And we'll go from there. So if we could kind of progress the conversation, personally, I think that's the best chance of keeping this place really whole when it comes environmentally sound and structurally I agree. It's why I stay off social media. In the 90s, I wrote a book um, uh, called Time Shifting, which was about 
the degree to which things are getting faster and faster in our lives. And as things get faster, we get rushed in such a way to keep up. And so social media fits right into that. And yet what happens that's is you don't drop of, it. Of that's that. right. That's right. Exactly right. So that's speed. So it is becoming, you see, when you go out now, the restaurant, everybody's looking at their little screen. Yep, that's right. And so nobody's simply here. When things stop and there's nothing happening, the question becomes, are you okay? Because if you're not okay in that moment, when everything's just here, then there's a that, and, and there, there's something going on that's starting to make you feel like oh, I got to do something. I got to do something instead of. So we've become these human doings instead of human being. We live in a society where time has clearly gotten faster. Everything is the the rhythm. The um, uh, is it Edward Hall who said. Um, Back in the early 1900s, you can tell the rhythm of any society by listening to its music. So we don't live in a time of Gregorian chant or Bach or Beethoven. We live in a... So everything is moving really at that beat all the time. And as a result, that's... And there's nothing wrong. That's why I called my book Time Shifting Them, because there's nothing wrong with going fast. It's just, can we be okay when we go slow? That's why... For me, for us at Blue Spirit, one of the things we're most interested in is having meditation practice. Because meditation is that opportunity to sit where nothing's happening. So and that's find allowing a stillness. the contentment that you talk Correct. about. I'm just trying I'm trying to re bring this yeah, in because you cover so many points so quick. And a lot of people who aren't in this mind frame, uh, between your books and your practice and your and and all the things that you're doing at Blue Spirit, you're, this is, this is your life. This is who you are. This is flowing out of you. Every time we talk, all I have to do is ask a question. And I can tell it's, it's legit. It's in there that you're being sincere. This is who you are. For people who are just getting started, though, it's a bit too much. It's just like, well, I'm not that good. I'm not that great. So, like, sometimes, well, sometimes. People, people, excuse me, but people come here and they learn to surf. And, and you just have to, you have to pay attention, you have to concentrate on it. So anything that we've learned in our lives, my wife, Annette Knopp, and I feel really fortunate, she's one of the deepest meditation practitioners, inner practitioners I know. So it gives, it's so, what a, I learn, what a blessing. I learn a lot from her. She teaches it, Blue Spirit, and she's done a lot of women's programs here in the community that way. And she's always giving out. And partly it's about practicing presence and in some ways it's simple because what happens is when one does that and you begin to feel a difference from that that you have a tool for when the stress exists because there's always some stresses in life but you have a tool within which to hold that and that's why i bring up the the tibetans because i read these stories of people who were imprisoned who were tortured and yet the way they hold that is different than most anyone I could think of, and it only comes from their practice. So what happens is you get, let's say you have an injury. We have the choice to either relax into it because it's happened, 
and one relaxes into it and doesn't create more stress. Or we can pull back from it and tighten up, and I know that the healing process is going to take longer. So if we can relax to what's so, we get through it. Yeah. I, I, I got to pause you because you said stuff I got, I got to dive back into. <laughs> I don't want it to slip through. So first off, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to set this up. This will be a good segment. We'll edit this in for sure. Um, you said something earlier when we were talking. Like, or, or the, something that you said that really resonated with me was, can we be okay when we go slow? Explain that a little bit more. Because that seems, at first it, I heard it, I processed the words, it made sense. And then I was continued listening to your next point. But then it hit me. It's like, wait. I got to stop there for a second. I tried to answer that question for myself and my answer emphatically resounding from my head and my consciousness and every orifice was no, get back to it. So what would you say to someone who's used to running from, whether this is a, a, a mom with a couple of kids who's having to run around crazy or business person, what would you say to someone who's living their life right now? Every single day, the, the alarm goes off from beginning to end. There's not enough hours in the day. How do they start that change into being okay when we go slow? Well, the, the first thing often starts from recognition that there's something that doesn't feel right. And that can come as some kind of a stress disorder or that comes in some kind of not feeling happy within oneself or recognizing there's some kind of addictive behavior we're doing that's not conducive to the way we or we start to see a breakdown in relationships or something or we start to see a breakdown in the body in some way so frequently it comes from what we're doing not working in some level so recognition step one yeah that's usually unusual and sometimes a funny story i mentioned in my book is i was working in my early days as a physician i was working in an emergency room at night and a guy comes in with a heart attack, <clears throat> and he was a local politician, and I admit him to the intensive care unit. All's good, and I come in to check on him a couple of nights later, and I told he had been he had checked out against medical advice. So, a week or two later, I'm in the emergency room again, and he's brought in with a second heart attack, and I said to him, "Why didn't you stay in the hospital?" And his response was, "I was too busy. I just had to go." So the question is, how busy do we need to get before the body tells us or our spouse tells us or the market tells us and we go bankrupt because we've been doing things? So part of this is that we get stuck in our mind as opposed to listening to our feelings as well. The mind goes very fast, which is great, but it's also a problem because many of us, if you look back at anything you've done that actually you can look back and say, you know, I should remember, I thought I shouldn't have done that. Something that failed. You know, oh, I had that feeling because I can remember a couple of those for myself. And so what you realize is that the mind always figures out why you should be doing things. Even though sometimes we have the gut feeling or the sense like, hmm, maybe not. Maybe this isn't what I should be doing. That's interesting. So the next step, if I can say it back real quick. So the next step is 
allowing yourself I'm, I'm, I'm di- I diagnosing myself here and trying to work through this. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, so in my case scenario, I move fast. I have too many things to do. I'm always late. Um, or just actually, again, back back to anyone. This applies to anyone in, in whatever yeah. state they're in life. So if I'm moving too fast, I have too much to do. Go, 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 go. The mind doesn't shut off. My my answer to your question is, can we be okay for going slow? There's no the first step is recognition and then the next step to get the process going is allowing yourself or giving yourself permission for your feelings to enter the picture and that's the problem in the west because we push our feelings away and after a while they're building up and so we're not okay with this feelings because when we've suppressed our feelings all day long the ones that come come up when we slow down are the feelings we didn't want to deal with it's not like you your feeling comes up of joy now it's there But the feeling that's coming up is you're pissed off at or something and I didn't have the chance to express it or I'm, I can't believe they did that to me or can you believe? So there's always, and that, that cycle goes on. And unless we can find ways within us of which there are actually a lot of deep practices or many different ways to deal with this kind of emotional turmoil that really, and you can look at it right now in the in the dialogue or really the lack of dialogue between the the right and the left in in the United States everybody is pissed off so it doesn't matter which side and everybody is ramped up to an emotional frenzy and so whatever you hear them saying and doing and fighting and so on at the base of it there are people right and they all believe they're rightly pissed off at the other one but they are pissed off. There's very little calmness. And, and so for me, cultures that really are at one with the nature around them. See, if you look at a tree, and, and, and what I love here is, and I said this before, what I love is the way Costa Ricans relate to trees. A tree spends its entire life not moving from the same spot. Now, trees actually, many trees, the longest living creatures on the planet, multicellular creatures on the planet are trees. Some live to a 3,000 years. We're talking about longevity. We can maybe get to 100. We're talking about 3,000 years. So there are creatures on the planet who have figured out just to be at ease, just to simply be where they are. They're okay with being slow. They're okay with being slow and just living right here. So there's a lot to learn. So what you find is people who feel really connected with nature are in pretty good mood. Mm. I mean, you go look at some of the people who are just working in nature, and I'm not saying toiling in the sun because that can be arduous, but people who really are in love with the nature around them. Generally, they're people in good mood. And so for me, the opportunity we have here in Nosara in Costa Rica is to be really understanding that us building more buildings is, and bigger rooms isn't going to make us happy and having more money in the bank isn't going to... But being in the nature around us, when people go surfing and be in that nature, you know, there's... And I've interviewed world-class athletes, and I actually had, I was once on a TV show 
forgetting his name, the uh, uh, he won the the hundred meter dash in the Olympics from uh, Canada in in the Atlanta Olympics, and I was they said. What, what question do you want to ask are the fastest human? So we're talking speed now, right? What do you want to ask the fastest human? Donovan Bailey was his name. What do you want to ask Donovan? I said, what did it feel like while you were running? What did he say? And what he said was, there was no time. There was just now. So the only way I can, and he went on to say, the only way I can break through time is when I'm not running against time. I'm in time. Interesting. So the, and so the, the solution is like the back, exact backwards course of action that we're all doing. Yeah. So, when you, so if you're doing surfing, you're playing music. When you're doing that, there's no thought about future or past ones just in this moment that's an interesting so point. it's about dropping now we tend to get into these now as things go faster we tend to try and find fast moments but mm -hmm. if we can also align with slow moments and just be here that's when life opens up and in that comes what we were talking about before comes the joy and the serotonin and the just true joy that doesn't require anything else than what's here already in this moment that's really interesting i was i'm kind of getting a whole as you're talking just thinking of the whole yin and yang of it all when you go skydiving a lot of people go skydiving to feel peace that's right and a lot of people surf big waves to feel peace yeah and i, I know that for some of the most adventurous scariest moments of my life were that sense of contentment that i'm searching for happens but it's through the one of the most dynamic moments ever and being okay with going slow, it's ironic that sometimes going very fast actually helps you get a taste of well, that. Going fast like that, putting your life in danger forces you to be here. Yeah, exactly. It's like a crash course. It's That's like right. The so you have no choice but to be here and then you go and it opens up wide. So then the practice becomes, how do you do that in the slow moments? So a, that's that was why, my next question. That's right. So it's, it's, it's for people who do yoga. What is the thing about yoga? Now, if you, you can either do yoga as how do I make my body better? Or you can do yoga as this is a practice to drop in more deeply. How do you do meditation where the mind is going, but where you drop behind what is the mind? You drop into that, which is just mind chatter. And as, as my wife Annette likes to describe, and I think is really the right way to do it, since we're talking about surfing in the ocean, is that when you're on the top of the ocean, there's the waves. You're riding up and down. That's sort of like the thoughts. Right. When you drop really down to the bottom, it's pure stillness. So the waves are part of that stillness. That stillness is part of the waves. It's all ocean. So if we, if we see ourselves as just the mind or just our thoughts, we're just at the level of the waves. When we allow ourselves to drop down to that deeper level, then we're just simply here. So getting into nature, yoga, these things are nice, but the real way to get beneath the surface is meditation is what I'm hearing. No, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a way. If you, you, I, I don't say you have to do that to anybody. I think, or the way to do it slowly. 
Yeah, I think the way to do it is to feel that when you're in this moment. See, there are a lot of people who meditate all the time and <clears throat> they're still filled with just thoughts and, and, and not necessarily relaxed. They may be dissociated from them. They use it as a way of not even being here in some ways. So I don't, I don't want to say that, it's, that there's any technique that is, is it. Really what it is is finding that place of being content inside when at any moment and that's all practice so if you're content when nothing's happening great practice being content in the middle of a city where it's bustling practice being content when things aren't going right practice being content when your spouse is upset with you how do we practice oh, that yeah <laughs> I've got a lot of credit. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to your wife. <laughs> so, so it's it's really to me it's it's all about there's no there's no end to it. There's just what matters most in our lives. What are we doing with our lives and are we trying to create around us a life where there's not only contentment for me but contentment for anybody that we're with so that we're meeting in a place just like you and I are talking now and it feels you know I'm totally enjoy talking with you and it's just we're we're in a place of dropping in with each other and what a great opportunity in life and I think what you're doing with these podcasts is really fabulous this way because you're creating an opportunity for people to drop in with each other and that's all we really want in life not chattering. That's exactly right. True communication, listening, giving someone a chance to speak where they're coming from and giving other people a chance to listen. Um, here, here's uh, something, something I've noticed. And again, this is part of where this came from is I, I've been on a lot of committees and tried to be very involved in the community since I got here. And I've noticed that for whatever reason, and there are some good reasons that we can't make progress on a lot of these topics. And a lot, one of the reasons is because a lot of the people don't live here full time. People kind of come in the town part of the year and out of the town. So that's one reason. Another is a language barrier between the two different communities. Um, there, there's there's a, a multitude of, uh, of reasons, but this, what I'm getting at is the committees that you go to often don't make a great deal of progress from month to month or quarter to quarter or even year to year. We kind of keep recycling the same issues. And this isn't just the committees. This is just social media of the town. Anytime you live in a small town, you're going to have a, a fair amount of gossip and rumors and speculation. And some of it's true. Some of it's not true. But I was just kind of assessing the whole thing. And it seemed the one thing that was lacking above all of it is communication. Because people see someone every day. They think they know them. Or they might see them at that one meeting and they kind of think they know them. And the reality is we really don't. So a lot of people right now, I know this for a fact, a lot of people who are quote unquote enemies in town actually would be quite, they would do well as friends. That's right. If we could just pull the ego down for a second and actually just talk and communicate. Yeah, until we talked the other day and now we're talking now, I just knew of you, but I didn't know anything really of you. And, you know, the picture I had is completely different, not better, worse, any, it's just different. It's different. Well, now uh, there's a chance for real dialogue. Someone can hear this and be like, oh, okay, I kind of get what right. that guy's saying. I think this other guy's a little wacky. Right. Whatever. It yeah. doesn't matter. At least 
it's out there. Yeah. And I think if we do that more and more and hopefully it creates a bit of a trend. Yeah. And no, I think what you're doing is great that way because I think you're opening up the kind of dialogue that has to start happening within the community so people can then resonate with I mean, some people will hear me speak and go, oh, no, he's a whatever. And, and others will be, oh, well, that's interesting. I mean, exactly. hey, he's actually got this longevity center and we could use that. Or it's great. We're going to have yeah. these speakers. I don't like him, but I like the speakers he's talking about. Whatever. Well, hey, can I assess one for you? Because you own a big resort. And to many people who don't know you, you're the evil guy who built the big resort that's killing the monkeys and ruining everything. But they don't know you. They don't know the other things that you do. Right. They don't know where you come from. There's just a stigma. And if I'm angry, I've noticed, it's easier to hold on to that sure. negative thing than it is to take the time to go see if what I'm angry about is, in fact, quite true. Yeah, well, I have a, I have a problem at Blue Spirit in that we're seen as exclusive. And in part, why I'm having people come is, is that I'm not exclusive. It's not that I want to keep people away i'm trying to protect the people who are there so because they're there for a deep drop in of what their experience is so when people come in not in the process of what they're doing it pulls people out so that's really why i do it and and actually it's interesting for me because i've come to as you just said know that i'm looked at in a certain way that for me isn't my reflection i spent 40 years running a nonprofit. And I, you know, I'd been a successful doctor and I made a lot less being running a nonprofit. Um, and I actually wanted to set this up as a nonprofit. I was not, I'm not, I know how to do business, but I wasn't out to make lots of money and I'm still not. It's my focus in making this was to make this happen. And the interesting thing was I couldn't figure out how to do a nonprofit in Costa Rica and get enough money to do this. So I had to get investors <laughs> and then it worked. And once it worked, then I could start to, uh, to have it. So that's a great so story. A, <laughs> I didn't know that. A lot of people didn't know that. Yeah. So, so I really have always been in the realm of trying to work from the perspective of, it's not just about me. I mean, that's really, I mean, I sometimes so you're not, the, you're not the evil white guy who built the castle at the end of kingdom. that's right. And actually you talk about the monkeys. We're one of the real safe havens because we buried all of our electric lines. So we probably have more monkeys there than most anywhere else right around here where development's happening because part of our, and we spent a lot of money to bury the say, electric that costs lines. Money that cost that. a lot of money. And the only reason we did that was for the monkeys. So we're really, uh, you know, we've been working with that for a long time and we've really taken what was cattle land and just let it grow. And Hey, so can we talk about that for a minute? Um, a lot of people who come here today don't know the history of how agriculture basically came in and wiped the, wiped the saline, uh, what am I, what slate. clean slate. I got my words back right yeah. So a lot of people don't know how agriculture basically came in and just kind of cleaned the place out. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, well, the, the thing with the agriculture, and I mentioned that a little while ago, again, related to Christiana Figueres coming, because Christiana is the daughter of uh, ex-president Figueres here in Costa Rica. She was the one who saw that happening. And so it's probably a little over 50 years ago now that all of the big multinationals came in 
and from doing down in Osa, where they were doing uh, Del Monte, Chiquita, uh, all of the big companies, United Brands, palm oil, pineapple. So it's big monocrop. And in order to do monocrop, you just slash the forest. Right. And then a lot of cattle. And again, it was slashing forest coverage and paying very little attention to what's necessary for the the real growth of uh, the natural growth. And, and then once you had areas where it was just farming and it was just grasses, then there started to be problems with the fires because the trees were resistant to the fires mm -hmm. and they, the fire didn't take off. But all you need is a little spark now in the grasses and they take off. So even when the trees are starting to come up, it wipes out the young trees when you have a lot of grassland around. So we went from 70% forest coverage in Costa Rica back then to 20%. So it was a really massive thing that happened so here. Essentially, just a massive clear-cutting, and this area was included. In oh, this area was dramatically. So what's happened since then? Well, since then, uh, Christiana Figueres, again, with many others in Costa Rica, it's moved back over 50%. So there's been a lot of dedication from a lot of people who recognized how biodiverse Costa Rica is, how, how vibrant the land is. And the wonderful thing about Costa Rica is that the soil is good, the conditions are good, and nature takes hold and is really strong again. It can come back here, and it is coming it back. It is coming back, but we can't, we can't assume that it's going to do it by itself only. Right, we now have the project to you told me about, I want to revisit that again. If you could say the name of the project that's um, basically buying back the farmland and reconverting it to growth would be great. Yeah, so it really was started 50 years ago, and uh, Dan Jansen and his wife Winnie, he's a biologist from University of Pennsylvania. And Dan came down, and this is up at the Santa Rosa Park, uh, it's about half an hour, 45 minutes north of Liberia. And what they've done is they've created there the Dry Guanacaste Fund. And uh, Eric Palola and Monique Gilbert are now helping to run it. And it's remarkable what they've done because they've taken and they work in concert with the government of Costa Rica. So it's not just them, but they've raised money so that they have now preserved four climate zones, which is really quite stunning. We're talking about maritime zone to dry forest to the cloud forest where the volcanoes are, and then over the continental divide to where the rainforest is. Now, for species survival, it's nice to have a nice area with trees, but it doesn't mean a species can survive because it travels. They're one of the few breeding grounds, I think, in the world where jaguars are breeding because some of these creatures need to move through. Even the insects need to, in the dry season, be in one place and the wet season be in another place for them to survive. Now, Dan is a biologist of the, he's of the ilk of somebody like E.O. Wilson, who's world famous. But Dan is so well regarded in the world of biology. The Smithsonian Institute has a section just for him to bring new species. He's discovered since he's here in Costa Rica, I think 20,000 new species. And what he does, which is also profound, is he takes, he's taken, he has a staff of 40 people there that 
are, and it's wonderful to go visit, really worth seeing. He's got a staff of 40 people, Costa Ricans with no more than a second grade education, who've become world-class biologists. Amazing. And they do all the studies of the butterflies and the caterpillars and the, what they eat and what parasites bother them, because you have to have a web of life that keeps the whole system going. So he takes snips of the mitochondria, of the DNA of the mitochondria, and then he sends it for species identification, then takes a species. And Smithsonian has an area just where he, I think, where these 20,000 species now rest. And so Dan has just done amazing work, and he's now turning it over fully to Costa Rica. And by the way, they get the patent for the species so and give it to the country of Costa Rica so that some of these big mega corporations can't come down, which is what's happening in the forests in Brazil, where they grab a plant and they patent what's in the plant and then turn it into a medicine and you're not allowed to use that. It's sort of like... Could anyone donate to, to that? Yeah, um, to donate to it is a dry guanacaste fund. If you want, just, you know, we can, we have at Blue Spirit the information. As I said, we do a green tax for people when they leave and we match that green tax when they leave and we're trying to, so we're giving money there. We're, any of the well, events standing. we do, any of the events we do, we always raise money for and we give it to these uh, programs. We've given a lot of money to the uh, wildlife programs here, but now one of the things is uh, we want to buy more of the cattle land that's up there and turn that back into ultimately primary forest because I can't think of anything else at the moment that's more important. And that I, w- I want to pause for a second. That's what's happened here. When yeah. the people came in to buy the golf course that had all been cleared, everything had a view. Um, some people, like we discussed earlier, some people bought more than their share who could just to protect it. And then when the golf course holes couldn't happen, it grew. And then it grew and it kept growing. That's right. And I try I try to help people understand this. And this is a good platform to do it, I guess. A lot of people who come here think that everything's getting torn down. Well, actually, everything's growing back. That's right. <laughs> it already was torn down. That's right. And now what we're seeing and we enjoy so much is really secondary. It, it It's kind of a testament to how fast things can grow here yeah. and how strong nature is in this area. Yeah. So... With what you're doing, first off, thank you. So you guys are doing a $10 green tax, quote unquote, on Blue Spirit. Then you're saying you're matching that. And I know you're not seeking the attention on this, though. I do want to use this opportunity to use you as an example, essentially. So other people, other rental homes could do that. Other hotels could do that. People could do that. That's, that's, what we're tra- that's what we're trying to set up with them is to say, hey, if this works with us, maybe we can get other people interested because it's not a lot to be asking people to do. I mean, we also now recommend because let's face it, for all of us, our visitors come from far away. And so they're all flying. Mm -hmm. So we've gotten and we have these flyers we hand out at Blue Spirit from an organization called COTAP. And COTAP is for you to do, um, uh, you know, a carbon credit for your flights. So you figure it out. But what I love about COTAP is they take the money, and so whenever I fly, that's what we do. We do a carbon offset. And we have all these guests who come. They only get here by flying, so we give them the pamphlets for carbon offsets. And not only is the money going to plant trees, 
it's actually going to areas where people are making less than $2 a day in their lives. And they're the planters of the trees. So it's a way to help people. Win, win, win. It's a win, win all win, the win. way around. And if we don't do that, we collectively can't win. Nice. That's a really solid example. So thanks for sharing sure. that with us. And hopefully people hear this. And yeah, and I have the information about COTAP. Anybody can check that out. It's cotap.org, C-O-T-A-P. Nice. So around here, um, coming back to people who live here or even visit here, if they want to give back, well, we have a myriad of, of programs to help the environment, animals, nature. We don't have all that many to help people. Um, the Biblioteca, I would argue, is probably up at the top of the list. Vivio Swinger's come in, which has been nice. But we've moved from an agricultural society into a tourism-based society really fast. like Just like that, in the blink of an eye, if you think about it. Um, and the tourism that's coming in isn't even low basic tourism. It's not hostile level tourism. It's, it's higher end. It's blue spirit type tourism. Right. So if people don't have the skill sets, how are they going to get the jobs that are available in the community? And it's, it's a not great. That, great concern. So great concern. this is something that's kind of sunk in on me because again, I'm involved in a lot of the different other organizations. And then also I have a business here and I love to hire people here. We pay a great deal extra per year trying to do the right thing to hire local people from here. But the, unfortunately the labor pool is very shallow. And I say this frequently, it has nothing to do with lack of talent. It's not that. It's a lack of skill sets. And if we're coming in and running these businesses and operating, but the local people don't have a chance to truly get jobs and survive and thrive, then what happens is you have to hire from San Jose. You have to hire from other countries around the world. And that's what ends up happening. So it seems like it's a little bit of a vicious cycle as long as we don't enable the people from here. They can't succeed. Other people come in and it relegates the people who are from here to a lower level in society. And now that we don't have agriculture as a main industry, it's tourism. They're basically being forgotten about. So that's my kind of out of order spiel. About, no, I, 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 think there's a, I, I, I think, think there's a really forgotten important. about generation happening right now. And I'm interested in getting to that because I would love nothing more than for my company to be able to hire people directly from here who can hop in and get after it. Right. And I'd be lying if I said that we could do that right now. Yeah, I think that's a real concern. And it's great that you're putting energy toward that. I, and I think it needs to get solved. I mean, we look to mostly employ people who are local here, of course. both for anything that we're doing. But but sometimes it's difficult and we need to bring some people in with certain skill sets. But Especially if you have, I mean, we have different businesses coming in now. And we have a lot of people from San Jose who want to move here. Yeah. You know, architects, engineers, all these different all the, just all kinds of different levels of professionals. And I, my, my kind of dream is to be able to find capital and people are, who are interested in this place long-term and they're okay with giving back to the people. So if, for example, the Biblioteca over the years, I would posit it's probably been the, the leader in yeah, that in between their language yeah. programs in between lots of the things that they've done. So shout out to Beverly and all the people who've helped. Yeah, she's done amazing work here. So as it stands now, though, Nosara's grown a lot. The town's at an interesting crux. It's like, I'm not being negative, so please don't think that. I'm just calling it like I see it. And I think there's a lot of people out there. There's only, and my point is, there's only so many surf instructors. There's only so many people who can chop lots. There's only so many basic opportunities that a town can provide. And a lot, there's a lot, there's a growing resentment towards the people from San Jose. There's a growing resentment for the people from different locations. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, well, I'm from here. I should get that job. And it sounds a little harsh. The answer is, do you know how you have that job? Is you get really good. Yeah. You get really, you work really hard, you get a skill set and you become good at it. And then there's no reason for me to even be here. Mm-hmm. The only reason I have my job is because somebody else wasn't willing to do it at the level I'm willing to. It's really that simple. So I know we can't go out and save everyone. I know that's a hopeless thought, but the people who want to develop the skill sets should have a location or a way of doing so. So that's what I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get to where we can teach basic finance skills, uh, personal protection, women's protection in particular, to help women feel more empowered and step out of the traditional, I just got to stay home and raise these kids by myself. It's not like that anymore. Yeah. No, there so, are a lot of needs here. and You're definitely addressing those. I'd like important. to get like a community center and kind of get like the talks that you're doing, which are phenomenal at a very high level. We'd even love to get like that kind of cascading down to yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So I'd like to get a Yeah, location. we've been trying to help also with getting into the school's mindfulness and things like that. So that just starts in an early stage. Yeah, Jessica Education's Sheffield explained that to me with her movimiento. And, yes, uh, yeah, she's doing amazing work. Incredible, right? Yeah. She came on the podcast and she explained to me, Rich, the way we're teaching everyone is we're getting to the kids. Because the kids are teaching the parents. Because they were trying to recycle, go around town, right. and get all the parents to change their ways. Well, once you're kind of set in your ways, all of us, you kind of get set in your ways. Yep. And she said they've taught the kids and now the kids are teaching the parents and they've had far more success with that. That's great. That was eye opening to me. So getting into the kids and mindfulness and awareness, that really does seem to be the direction yeah. to go. Yeah, I think it's through the kids. You're right. You have these retreats coming up here pretty soon. Can you remember any of the dates or we can put them on? Well, I can, I, can, I can show you this and maybe I'll let you do that. All right, I will. So for 2020... I saw this and I checked out the people are coming through and it's, it's off the charts. It's, it's really off the charts. It's, I mean, I'm not just trying to. No, no, no. I know. I know. This to, year we have a great. To flatter you, like it really is. So you got January 4th to 11th is week one. Um, standing at the edge and the whole, just the whole, the whole lineup. Good gracious. Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about it this year. I bet. So week one's January 4th. And I also 11th. have some of the local teachers coming in. You know, Monica Ramos is I teaching. That. And Monica's in. Uh, yeah. And Paige I mean, from Monica Pilates, used to, no Yeah, well. and Paige. Monica used to be at Omega with us years ago, way back before she and I came down here. So wow. So, so I'm going to holler at some of the dates so people can know. Week one's January 4th to 11th. Week two is the 11th to 18th. Week three, 18th to 25th. Four is January 25th to February 1st. Week five is February 1st to 8th. And, and then we, six, February 29th to March 7th. Yeah. And for the first four weeks, because the, the, the last two weeks, which are later on, they are more intensive. But the, the first four weeks, in each week we have probably eight teachers. And so people can come in and go to one and the multiple teachers. Each teacher teaches three or four times during the week. And... Uh, during during that time, um, we're going to have a special for residents here. When I'm not talking about people just vacationing, but residents here where they pay a price of, uh, I think it's $5.95, and that includes coming for the ho- coming for the week, not being in residence there, they stay at home, but it's all their meals included okay. at Blue Spirit, and they can take all, all the courses. Now, on two nights, <laughs> January 9th, we'll have Christiana Figueres and um, uh, Joan Halifax, and that'll be open to the public. 
and uh, we'll ask for a donation that'll go to um, uh, probably the Guanacaste Fund, and then on, um, but that's up to people to give, and then a week later on January 16th, I'm going to put together a well-being program with some of the teachers who are here that week. We haven't decided who's going to teach yet, but it'll be uh, of an equivalent type event, and we'll see if we do more of those. If, okay, if there's so a good as response, we get, as we get closer, maybe I can you let can, you know. Sure, exactly. You can update us, and we can try to help keep people posted. Right. But no, this place never ceases to amaze me. It's it, we have our challenges. We've got our dust. We've got our roads. We have our education system. We have so many things that we can complain but about. But what a great place to live. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say. <laughs> and these level of people coming down that are accessible and you're doing the locals pricing type thing, just that, that's right. really, that's really yeah. cool. And um, if you just talk about it, people might not know some of the names you're talking about. People, uh, hopefully people listen to this and they get on Google and look up. Yeah, look up these names. I mean, we're, one of the things that from my years doing Omega is I realized at a certain point that in those days we had more of the best-selling authors than any of the universities in the country. And so we, of the people coming, these are really world-class stars. Oh, hey, thanks Many for making that have... happen. I know it's a lifetime of work, but thank you for doing it. And it's a pleasure getting to know you some because I only knew what my <laughs> mental conscience and everybody else says. <laughs> so um, there's so much to talk about. Right. Um, I, uh, I look forward to having you back on. because I'd love could, to do it. I'm, we I'm, could dive into yeah, a whole lot of different yeah, and stuff. Come, and, and you'll come out to Blue Spirit and see some of this stuff. It's yeah, happening. well, actually, we could also include that in the next episode. We can get some of the footage and... Right. Um, what I think we might want to talk about in the future is your wellness center. Great. Because a lot of people here probably would enjoy knowing about it, but yeah. they might just not really understand it. Or they just think it's for people. Yeah, no, no, we're having, we set it up so that it's, it's open for people. We want it to be something where people who are really interested, we're not, we're not treating disease. We're treating well-being. We're enhancing well-being. And that's really what I think. And you're making and that's it accessible. The way we avoid, that's right. And that's the way we avoid disease. So if you want to stay healthy, that's the way to do it. All right. So thank you very, very much for coming in. Thank but you. Be before we go, i got to ask you a couple questions. Okay. Right off the bat, <laughs> just real quick. What's your top Nosara dislikes? We know the likes. We've talked about those. But what are your top Nosara dislikes quickly? My top Nosara dislikes is that there isn't much place to really connect with people because what happens is you go into town and everything is sort of overrun by tourists and you can't tell who's who. So as a result, it's not an easy place to get to know who's really here. And so I think that that affects the feeling of community. Um, over the last number of years, top dislike of the dust. The dust has just been... So on the one hand, I, I like that we've been a bit low key without having the road, but we need it because the dust is just intolerable, both on a health level and on just so many levels. So my worry is that with the road coming, we're even going to get a larger influx of people. So I'd say, what else do I, otherwise, oh, those, are, good ones. Are. those yeah. are really good. Those are really good. Uh, and now your three favorite restaurants that aren't blue spirit, somewhere out of there in no particular order. Well, the new one, Costa. Tell us about it. Well, Costa is um, down by where Tibidabu used to be. And I love Luis Proti. Now, he used to be with us, but his food is remarkable. 
So uh, it's it's an, a surprise. And also what I love there at the moment is it hasn't yet been fully discovered. Yeah, so you're the first person. You just <laughs> launched it. <laughs> so Costa is great. And then uh, I love going to Pacifica Azul. Um, and I like a number of other restaurants. And, you know, I would always go to La Luna, but now it's, it's uh, and I love La Luna. It's just, it's so crowded. So for a lot of me, other people it, like it too. Yeah. So for me, it's going out to a restaurant as much as I can. Uh, and uh, the one right by the, the beach, uh, is it? Beach Dog. Beach Dog or, Cafe. Yeah, I love I love what's happening at Beach Dog. I think they're really great. And then I got to say, I love everything JP does. I feel JP, uh, shout out to him because he's really the heart and soul to me of really um, making great, great, great food. I think he got the juice thing going around here. He's got the juice thing, but but his... I mean, back in the day, yeah. I think he, Oh, yeah, he's the one who I, definitely I think, he's a, yeah. I think he was the pioneer of that. The variety. juice and the bliss balls and the whole the whole deal. Yeah, JP and Jorge Lina, they do an amazing job. Well, that'll, that's fantastic. Again, it's a pleasure having you on. We'll have you back for Love sure. it. Love it. It was great to do it. Right. Okay.